But let's get into this final series, The Surround Sounds of Christmas. This is our last week, and this whole series is all about all those little bits and pieces leading up to Christmas. What does it actually mean? Uh, how does this relate to me? Uh, what's going on? And you know what's really interesting? That w- when we look at, at who, who we are as people, and if you're honest, because uh, we, we are top of people that we, we have this desire to make everything make sense, right? Everything makes sense. We don't like things that are random in our life. If something random happens, we kind of like to make sure it has purpose, that it makes sense. And so we come up with terminologies like everything happens for a reason, right? Or, or it, if it, it wasn't meant to be. And we just don't like random things. It's got to make sense. It's got to have some kind of purpose. We've got to put some purpose thing in our life. It just can't be random. So if you're looking for a title for my message today, it is called A Random Christmas. A Random Christmas. Think about, think about this. When you know somebody who's going through, some, who's going through hard times, we know somebody who's, um, who's struggling right now, you can't help but go to that person to kind of um, to, to bring meaning to what's going on. Right? We kind of like dig around the purpose tree, trying to say, this is what, what's going on. Or we say things like, you know what? She wasn't meant to be. He wasn't meant to be. You, you know, she, she wasn't Mrs. Right. He wasn't Mr. Right. You know, God has somebody in plan for you. And we kind of try to make sense of what's going on. Or, or maybe this illness is leading to something else. There's something inside of us that we've got to make sense of everything that's going on. There's got to be purpose. There's got to be a reason why this is happening in my life. There's got to be a reason why. There's something inside of us. And, 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 and this thing that's inside of you, it's called the image of God. That you have been made in the image of God. That I've been made in the image of God. That you have a reflection of God that lives with inside of you. And our God is a purposeful God. Our God is a God of history. Our God is a God who, who, who turns order out of chaos. And that's why deep down inside of you, it's just got to make sense because it's, because it's the reflection of God that's inside of you. That everything is connected. And that's why for some of us, we've kind of turned to God because we, we kind of lived a, a random life, right? We, we lived a life where we're independent of God. Then it's just me and my stuff, and that's all I need. And life is successful, yes. I've got lots of relationships around you, yes. But something deep down inside, you know, it, it, there's something missing. It doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't quite connect. Nothing quite connects in my life. And you're longing to connect the dots, and that is the reflection of God within you. If you're in this room right now, and you've never been in a relationship with God, there's a tension in your life, and that tension is the reflection of God. Because it's got to make sense. It's got to connect. It's something that's inside of you, that, that is moving, that, that is going on. And there's some things that you can't even connect in your life, but only God can make things connect. Only God can make it connect. And that's why this Christmas story is so amazing. Because this Christmas story is so random. It seems so random, this whole story. It seems so random, but yet God reminds us that He is at work even when we don't know that He's at work. Because He is a God that, turns, that brings order out of chaos. He is a purposeful God. And inside of you is a reflection of God's image. And that is why within you, you're, there's something inside of you that there, there is purpose to my life. There's, I'm more than just making up the numbers. There's purpose, there's a reason for my life. And it's the image of God that's within you. And this is what you have. So if you've got your Bible, let's have a look at this random story in the Bible. It is so random. It's found in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, if you haven't got your Bible or any device, it's okay. We've got the verse on the screen. So let's read this story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, Elizabeth was Mary, the mother of Jesus. It was her cousin. Now, 
She was pregnant, what's, and so, okay, Elizabeth's pregnant, but what's amazing about this is that Elizabeth was of age. Think of your grandmother being pregnant. That, you know, think of somebody in their 60s being pregnant. It's like, whoa, what's going on? It's something miraculous was going on. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to, to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So Mary is a teenage girl, and her life is pretty much planned out. I say, okay, Mary, okay, you're born, you're going to get married, you're going to have children, and then you die. That's your life, Mary. You're going to get married, have children, then die. I mean, no, nobody's going to know your name because you're, you're from some dusty little town in the middle of nowhere. In the time of Israel, where nobody really cares what's going on. You're just another person who, just another nameless person who, who, who has came and gone. And now you've been thrown in the rubbish bin of history. That's who you are, just some common young teenage girl. But then God does something amazing. He does something random. God shows up. He show, and it looks so random to us, but it's purposeful in God's mind that he chooses this particular time. Think about this. Why was Jesus born at this time? Why wasn't he born today? Why then? Why Mary? Why? There's all these questions we ask. Why? Why then? It just seems so random. It just seems so random. And we read on in the text in verse 28. Gabriel appeared to him and said, Greetings, favored woman. Anybody here favored? Anybody favored of God in this room? Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel, what the angel could mean. Meaning, she's thinking, is this, is this a good witch or a bad witch? Is this an angel that's going to bring destruction? What's going on here? What's going on? Don't be afraid, Mary. Why? Because she's scared to death. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. This is the second time. The second time that the angel has said to Mary that you have found favor with God, that she is highly favored. Anybody favored in this room? You favored? Is, is God with you? Is God with you? The second time the angel said this, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, the reason why this seems so random in this story, what's really amazing is that it has been 400 years since the last time God had spoken to a Jewish person. 400 years since the, since the last book of the Old Testament. From the last book of the Old Testament to the angel turning up to Mary. It had been 400 years. Why now? In fact, God, where had you been all these, these years? It just seems random that you've just turned up now. Why now? It doesn't make sense. We're trying to make sense of this. And, and, and theologians call this period between the last book in the Old Testament to, to when the angel shows up in the New Testament. The, the, angel calls this, the theologians call this 400 years of silence because God was silent during this time. But as we know during history, that during the, these 400 years, um, uh, it was anything but silent. Incredible things happened within these 400 plus years. The Babylonians, they arose to power. The Babylonian Empire, and everybody thought the Babylonians, they're forever. But they weren't because along came along the, the Persians, the Persian Empire, and then everybody thought, wow, the Persian Empire, they're pretty strong. In fact, they're around for hundreds of years. So, which means people lived and died during the, they lived and died, lived and died, lived and died, and the Persians were always in power. So people thought, the Persian Empire, that's forever. But it wasn't because along comes Alexander the Great. 
He comes along charging, and now it's time for the Greeks to rule. It's time for the Greek empire to rule, right? And he conquers everybody. He doesn't just conquer everybody. He Hellenizes everybody. What Hellenizes mean, it means he forces the Greek culture onto every single country that he has conquered, this conquered the known world. And now he forces everybody to speak Greek. And then everybody thought, wow, Greece is forever. But then Alexander the Great dies, and his kingdom is divided. And then Rome comes into power, and this is the time of Mary. And everybody during the time of Mary, they thought, wow, Rome, Rome, you're forever. And so now we have this angel that turns up 400 years later. Silence, God, where were you these 400 years? We really needed you. We haven't even had a kingdom to reign for 500 years. We've been ruled by all these empires. Where were you when we needed you the most? Do you ever feel like sometimes you need God really, really bad, but he's silent? And you're like, where are you, God? Have you ever asked question? where are you, God? I need you right now, but why are you so silent? Why are you so silent in my life when I need you? What are you doing? What is up with that? So this angel turns up randomly, 400 years, since the last time God spoke to a Jewish person. And the angel says to Mary, you are favored of God. What does that mean? Because you know what this means for Mary? Her life is turned upside down. And I don't mean that she's going to bow ear. Her life is turned upside down. She's ostracized. Because she's a pregnant teenage girl, and she's saying that, no, it's not, Joseph's not the father. In fact, there's no one else. And so, so Mary, who is the father? It's the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's convenient. It's the Holy Spirit. So now she's outcast. She's ostracized. Thankfully, Thankfully, the, the angels had filled in Joseph what had happened. And Joseph takes Mary to be his wife, even when it was against all his family's wishes. But talk about timing. Talk about timing. Caesar Augustus, he says, you know what? I'm going to count all the people in my kingdom, so I'm calling a census. So everybody go back to your ancestral home. So Joseph comes to Mary and says, Mary, I've got some bad news for you. I know you're highly favored. I know God is with you. But I have to go back to Bethlehem, and you have to come with me. It's 190 kilometers to where we're going. We don't have a car. There's no Uber. There's no planes. There's no flights. I'm not sure they even had a donkey. But it's rough terrain. And I know you're fully pregnant. But you're going to have to travel 190 kilometers. You're going to be very uncomfortable. But you're favored by God. It's all good. They arrived to Bethlehem. There's no room for them. Because who would want a pregnant, unmarried teenager in their house? Oh, Miss Favorite of God. Miss God is with you. I tell you what, Miss Favorite of God, we've got room for you. Back with the animals. Because that's where people like you belong. So Miss Favorite of God gives birth to the King of Kings on the ground, surrounded by animals. Can you imagine what she's thinking? Is this what it means to be favored of God? Is this what it means that the Lord is with me? A year and a bit goes by, and now they're in a house. It seems like something is, is, is happening. It's turning for the good because all of a sudden these magi, these wise men, they turn up bringing good gifts, and they're good gifts. It's gold, myrrh, frankincense. It's expensive gifts. Mary's thinking, well, maybe I am favored of God. Everything's looking good. 
But all of a sudden, she's warned in a dream by an angel, leave Mary, take Jesus with you because Herod wants him dead. So they flee, they go on the run to Egypt. Because Herod finds out there's a king, another king born. And, there's, and this town isn't big enough for two kings. And when Herod gets angry, he, people die. So one cold morning in the area where Jesus was, Herod's soldiers turn up and they kill every single baby that's two years and under. So Mary lives the rest of her life knowing that all these children died because of her son. Because you're misfavored of God. I mean, that doesn't make sense. God, you, you warned us. Why couldn't you send an angel to kill Herod? It doesn't make sense. Just seems like another random act of Roman violence. It doesn't make sense. Misfavored of God. Years go by. 30 years go by. Now, this, now Mary is sitting out, outside a courtyard. And she's listening as her son is beaten to an inch of his life. Misfavored of God, then watches her son with a thorn of crowds on his head, blood pouring down his already bruised face, carrying a cross through the streets. Misfavored of God, watches her son die an unimaginable death that any mum should ever witness. Misfavored of God, watches her son die the most humiliating death possible. And you know, when we, when, we, when we think of the story, we think, well, it's okay. It's okay, Mary. Everything works out for good. It's all good. Can you, but for Mary, in this point of history, she's looking back, and she's thinking, I'm favored of God. Is this what favored of God looks like? Anybody favored of God? Because if this is what favored of God looks like, I don't want to be favored of God. If this was what God is with you, looks like, then I don't want God to be with me. And it seems so random. It doesn't make sense. But this is what we know. We, standing on this part of history, looking forward, it makes sense. So we have the, the advantage of history to look back on. And that God would step into this Christmas story and something that seems so random bring meaning. Because even when it seems like it is purposeless, even when it seems like all is lost, that sickness is winning, that there is no hope for our marriage, that there is no hope for our finances, that no good thing can come out of this, that God is still at work. And the Apostle Paul would write 25 years after Jesus had died and rose again. He would write this in the book of Ephesus, Ephesians to the church of Ephesus. He would write this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. He would say this, furthermore, because he has this vantage point of history. He's looking back. And he says, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. And listen to what he says next. And he makes everything work out according to to his plans. What does everything mean? It means everything. So what was God doing during these silent years? Okay, God, these last 400 years, we really needed you. There's 400 plus years. What were you doing? Why were you silent when we needed you? Your, your beloved children of Israel, where were you? I love what God does. 
God uses the Babylonian Empire to annex his children, Israel. Take them into, into captivity. That doesn't sound good. They're in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. They're sitting by the rivers of Babylon, like the Boney M song. But one of these, these children of Israel who, who are in captivity, his name is Daniel. Daniel rises to prominence. He becomes head of all the magis, head of all the wise men, and God begins to use Daniel. And Daniel puts forth a messianic prophecy that 500 years later, magis recognizing Daniel's prophecies, recognizing a star that leads them to this toddler king, comes bringing good gifts, and in doing so, provides Mary, Joseph, and Jesus finances to escape and live in Egypt. God sits in place 500 years. He provides something that hasn't happened for another 500 years. God sits in motion when it seems like he was silent. Then the Persian Empire comes. God uses this Persian Empire to, to bring back Israel back to their lands. Then Alexander the Great comes. He brings a common language. Then the Romans come. They bring roads that connect all the common world. Then Caesar Augustus comes, the first Roman emperor. He calls, us, he calls forth a census and unknowingly was a catalyst to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. God uses Caesar Augustus. And he brings about what's called Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. For the next 200 years, there's peace between countries. So Jesus is born at the right time where there's a common language, where there's a common road, and the gospel spreads, even amongst, even with persecution all around them, it spreads like wildfire, that 2,000 years later, one third of the world's population knows the name of Mary's son. When it seems like that God was silent, he was not silent. When it seemed like he was silent, he was up to something. When it seems like God is silent in your life, he is up to something. He is up to something. So when Mary hears this message from the angel, seems so random, 400 years. God, now you speak, 400 years? The angel says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Mary had no idea that she was a, what she was about to endure as the favored one of God. She didn't know that one day she would watch her son be crucified. She didn't know that, that he would one day rise from the dead. She didn't know that 2,000 years later that there were people all over the world gathering in her son's name. Babylon is gone. Persia is gone. The Greek empire is gone. Rome is gone. But the name of Jesus remains. You know, she, when the angel said this to her, she knew what was expected of her to be a favored one of God. She knew that she was going to be ostracized. She knew that. But I love her response to the angel, even when she knew that this was coming. And you know what? I, I want this to be my response when I find myself in a situation that I don't understand. And I want this to be your response when you find yourself in a situation that you don't understand. She says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. You know what the, what the big takeaway from this is? You know what the big takeaway from, from what she responded is? I mean, I don't know what you've been told about faith. I don't know what's been defined to you what faith is. 
But perfect faith isn't the faith that moves God. If you've got faith that moves God, that's, not per- that's good. It's not perfect faith. This is perfect faith. Perfect faith is the faith that moves us to trust God. Even when it, when it seems like God is not moving. Perfect faith is a faith that moves us to trust Him. When it seems like He is silent in our situation, when it seems like he, He's gone and we're wondering where he's, at, where he's at, perfect faith moves us to trust Him anyway. Trust Him when your son's being diagnosed with something that the doctor said he will die in a couple of months. But it moves you to trust Him anyway. Perfect faith moves us to trust God when it doesn't seem like He is moving. Here's the good news. Regardless of what life has handed you, regardless of what you're experiencing, the thing that's in you that's trying to find purpose out of all of this, that's a good thing. The thing that's inside of you that says, this can't be random. There's got to be something more to this. That's the thumbprint of God in your life. That's the image of God in your life. That's God reminding you that He is active in this world. That's God reminding you that He's active in your world. He has a plan for your life. That's why Apostle Paul says this, He makes everything work out according to His plan. Perfect faith moves us to trust God when it doesn't seem like He's moving. If you're here this morning and you're in a situation, life has, has thrown things that you didn't plan for this. You didn't plan for a divorce. You didn't plan for your children to leave you. You didn't plan to lose your job. You didn't plan to lose your car. You didn't plan to lose your house. You didn't plan for your loved one to die. But when you face yourself in that situation, my prayer is that you would be able to respond like Mary, that I am your servant. May you do what is according to your word. Because perfect faith is the faith that moves us to trust God, even when it doesn't seem like He is moving. Even when it seems like that He is silent, He is not silent. Because He loves you, He cares for you. Because perfect faith moves us to trust God when it doesn't seem like He is moving.